This is Meet the Movie Press. It's October 25th, 2019. On the show today, Skywalker trailer, Terminator... Here we go again. Uh, box office reviews and a very special guest. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Meet the Movie Press. It's Meet the Movie Press. It's October 25th, 2019. If we didn't talk movies, this whole thing would be completely irrelevant. Uh, my name is Simon Thompson. You can find me on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter, at ShowbizSimon. Uh, with me, as usual, is uh, Scott Menzel. Hey, how are you? For those people who don't know who you are, where... Who are you? Where can we find you, Scott? Oh, I'm Scott Menzel. Yeah. Just a homeless guy who it's stumbles fine. in every week. I know, we give you a um, hug. Yeah, I appreciate it. Warm coffee and a hug. Yeah, that's fine. It. I really appreciate it. It's fine. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. I also appreciate the drink last night. It's, it's very fine. nice. It's, it's, it was on me. It's yeah, fine. Thank you. It's cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and uh, returning to us uh, is Jimmy O, bringing to the home. A very special guest. Jimmy, who are you? Where can we find you? And who is your special guest? Well, I'm Jimmy O from JoeBlow.com, ArrowInTheHead.com, and all the social media garbage that is out there. I'm on there. But I'm really excited to bring in my friend here, Alfonso Gomez-Rajan, who is mm. one of my favorite one of the nicest guys in the world. So, uh, and he has a new film, The Current War, Director's Cut, opening today. And it's beautiful. Just beautiful. Uh, Alfonso, welcome to the Thank show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's genuinely great to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. I, a genuine, I, I saw the film on Monday. I never thought that a film about electricity mm-hmm. could be interesting <laughs> and engaging. And it, it genuinely is. Um, which is quite remarkable. We're gonna we're gonna do an in depth interview with you later. You're you're gonna be talking about the the week's sort of you know big big entertainment news stories. But when somebody sort of came to you with the idea of doing a show about the race for electricity, I, it, it wasn't that interesting to me. No, <laughs> and then and then I read the script. Yeah, and and, and then it started to speak to me on all these other levels. And mm. it wasn't about electricity. It was about um, and it wasn't even about Edison and Westing. It was about ego and humility and ambition. And, right. And I think there were these universal themes that I, that, that spoke to me. Mm. Because I'm going to ask when somebody pitches something like this mm-hmm. to a filmmaker. What do you find in this? And it's obviously the the humanity. It's the reality. It's the it's kind of the relationship kind of stuff that you find. One hundred percent. You have to. It has to be personal in some way. Otherwise, mm. it's a gig, yeah. and that's not particularly interesting. Sure. Um, and so I found uh, I wanted to examine a few things about myself, and 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 I was there were some themes that I was still wrestling with since um, me and Earl, and um, about mortality and legacy. And uh, and I found this an incredible opportunity to kind of work through those, and, and, and it was a little journey of self-discovery along the way, in addition to being able, able to make this kind of futuristic period piece, a mm. movie about the future set in the past, and that was fun. But when it came to you, did you have the talent attached, or was it very much a case of just the script? Benedict was attached. Okay. And we, uh, we Skyped, and then I flew out to meet with him, and we saw the same film. Uh, and um, so we saw the same film. I, well, I pitched the version of the film that I saw in my head. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about the, our interpretation of Edison or the way I saw him. And we were in sync and we decided to move on. I mean, move uh, with the project together. Okay. And we're going to talk about the project because obviously there has been one version of the project yeah. mm-hmm. that has been released. And now there is the director's cut mm-hmm. that is something that is 
very different. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk about that uh, in, in a bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a big part of the show is the fact that of the audience who take part in this show, uh, watching live on YouTube, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Westy Kid, Zeno Hour, BlackRock316, and Senior Nerd. Uh, <laughs> Senior Nerd saying, Javier Bardem. <laughs> uh, I, I do have to say, you uh-huh. do have a striking <laughs> yeah. resemblance yeah. to Javier Bardem. I, 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 I get that almost every day, and I'm just constantly disappointing people. That's not a bad thing, though. <laughs> uh-huh. No, 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 no. It's, it's fine. It, 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 it was. It's, it just happens literally every day. Every day. I, I, I've been in elevators when people are staring at me. Uh, just a certain way that I just know what they're thinking. Uh, and if I have a baseball cap and lower it, it just sells it. You know? I, have to say, I, I, I did see you at the after party last night of uh, uh, what was it? Irishman. The Irishman. Yeah. Uh, Irishman. Uh, DC or Marvel? Is Irishman uh, DC or Marvel? I think it's DC. It's, okay. definitely, it's definitely DC. Definitely yeah, DC. Okay. Definitely. And DC. I saw you last night. and I was like, Is having a bad day? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah. Were you there with your mom? I was there with my mom, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so Zeno was saying, uh, are you saying current war is electrifying? I'll leave. Uh, if you leave Zeno Hour, do go and watch The Current War because if you see, seriously, I pitched this to my wife and she was like, I would find that movie quite interesting. And I'm like, it genuinely is engrossing. So if you see one film about electricity this year, definitely <laughs> see the current war. Uh, okay, let's talk about um, a, a big stories that are hitting the news this week uh, in, the, in the movie sphere. Uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, if you weren't aware, a trailer dropped this week. What? Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. It's, it's. I like to support indie filmmaking. I so yeah, I like, you know, I like to talk about this. The stuff. small little ones. Yeah. yeah I like so that. the the Rise of Skywalker dropped on Monday. Um, tickets sales went like insane. Even as the trailer was dropping, people were buying tickets for something they hadn't seen, which is insane to me. Um, but we watched the, the Rise of Skywalker in the studio today. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Scott? First of all, uh, your thoughts on this? You know, uh, I've it's I've gone on record many times. Um, I have never really connected with these movies outside of the original trilogy. Mm. Um, you know, there's been a few movies that I felt like I liked more than others, but I just have not connected with this new trilogy that they've created. Um, that being said, since it's combining some of the older characters yeah. and JJ is back, because I really th- think he did a good job with the source material for The Force Awakens, I'm looking forward to this. I can say that I'm like pissing my pants excited about it, yeah. but I'll see it when I see it, and I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy it, and I think it's going to be a nice conclusion for the fans. Uh, Jimmy O. Yeah, you know, it's weird because my relationship with Star Wars has changed throughout the years. Mm. I I remember, as a kid, they're the greatest things ever, but then I discovered horror and I found that much more interesting. So the the, the newer ones I'm not really, I haven't really connected to. I I agree with you. I liked The Force Awakens. Mm. I thought that was... I had, that was good, but really I've been kind of mixed with the others, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I, I don't know, I'm kind of maybe it's just because it's the last one of this. I like the trailer. Did JJ I, direct this one? Sorry. Yes. No, okay. no go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I no. just saw the trailer. It's beautiful. No. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you, it's one of the few out of all the Star Wars trailers that have come in the last five years, it's the one that has given me the least goosebumps. Oh, yes. Um, Do you think it's the the actual trailer or the fact that we've just had so many? Well, that's the thing. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, I grew up, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I, I grew up with Star Wars. Yeah. I remember the first time that one of my neighbors put a sheet up 
in their garage and they had the the original reel and they showed it reel by reel the Star Wars film wow I mean I'm I'm really fucking old (laughs) seriously Um, I mean if if I was in the Warner archive they would be reissuing me (laughs) on Blu-ray right now Um, but it but I mean special features though special features but it's, it's crazy but I mean it's the one thing that I I've not felt that rush of kind of love and like anticipation and mm. almost like a lust for the storytelling you know of what Star that Wars. is for me okay it's because I think this new trilogy has relied so heavily on nostalgia mm. that when you see this now there's just so many moments in the trailer where you're like oh that's for the fans mm. you're like this is like it's going back to the original like it's like oh Look! Look at see. Fans are unreliable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fans and just, are unreliable. Me, that's what it is. And 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 since it relies so heavily on nostalgia, yeah. it doesn't really sell you on like what this is. Like you don't mm. really care. You're just like, oh, why am I gonna say goodbye to these characters? I don't want to say goodbye. That's really all it's banking on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, I know, I feel the same way. Like everyone was like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever, and I was just kind of like, it's a trailer. Alfonso, as a <laughs> as an audience member and also as a filmmaker, when you saw the trailer today, what did you think? I, I genuinely loved it, and I haven't seen the last. Uh, I'm, I'm a little behind on the films, <laughs> That's and, fine. And so I was excited to see. No spoilers. It. It looked, it looked, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, it just looked beautiful. I just saw it as a, just aesthetically. I mean, it just looked like a beautiful trailer, beautiful filmmaking. I don't but, have much more to contribute. But the, thing is, I mean, <laughs> the, the the last Star Wars movie was beautiful filmmaking. Right. Ryan did a yes. tremendous job when it comes to creating cinema. But the fans got really pissed mm-hmm. because it wasn't what they wanted. And I just wonder if creating great cinema is enough. Well, I don't know if it would... I would call The Last Jedi great. <laughs> yeah, you it was a good movie. I, I would literally... I will <laughs> die on it, that hill. It, it, look, I love that movie. Here's the thing. I Speaking as someone who's not a fan of yeah. that, like a hardcore fan, I watched it as, okay, I'm, I, I thought it was boring. I thought it was... Yeah. It, it didn't really connect to me. There were moments that worked, but it ultimately, I just... I didn't care. That was a movie that I went back... And after rewatching it, I actually wrote, rewrote part of my review and lowered my grade for. Interesting. Because I, I yeah. honestly felt like the first movie I, I gave a pass to and I was like much nicer on because of the fact that it was nostalgia and yeah. like looking at the prequels. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so this is a step above. And then like it kept eating at me. Like I was like, why? Why is this bothering me so much? Mm. And then I went when I watched La- La- um, Last Jedi. Yeah, I had that same kind of reaction that I had with Force Awakens, where I'm like, well, I really like this, but I didn't like this, and I like this, and I didn't like this. And then I went back and watched it again. And when I felt those feelings continue, mm. I literally went back and I added like two more paragraphs in my review, and I said, I'm lowering my score, and here's why. Well, I remember when 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 the, the when the prequels came out, I almost flew from London. I was living in London at the time. I almost flew from London to the US to catch it like two weeks early. Mm. And I'm really glad I didn't because that movie, yeah, is with all due respect, dog shit. Yeah, and I remember literally like Empire movie coming in their pants over the fact that it was like 
oh my god it's a new Star Wars movie so therefore it's a five star movie yeah. and I think we do do that sometimes mm-hmm. where we see these movies there is like you know there's the anticipation it's like and also the if you don't instantly love something and give it five stars there is whether you give it five stars or you don't there is gonna be the reaction yeah. Dude, there's a reaction no matter By what who you usually give it, period. seen a movie. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in a generation where you show an image. Yeah. One image of a movie. Well, that's the worst movie I've, I'm ever going to see. Not what I wanted. Me, yeah, me, me, exactly. Me. And that yeah. makes no sense. It makes absolutely zero sense. Mm. There's no imagination. It's like, just let it, you know, get, at least see a, a goddamn preview, for yeah. God's sake. So, from a, from a, a filmmaker point of view, Alfonso, when you see a film that is not your vision that is put on screen, what what is that like? Segwaying into yeah. uh, oh, the current war. Yeah, uh, nice. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it's incredibly painful. I mean, there's stages of grief in some ways where it, it, it is, was, let's say, the moment in TIFF, was that the best I could have done under the conditions that I was... You know, yeah, sure. you know, facing at the time, and it was at my best. But because of this, of everything that followed TIFF, which was everything leading up to TIFF, was you know, everything you could imagine that a filmmaker can go through in the worst case scenario with a studio sure. that's on the verge of collapsing. And and, uh, and what the, happened? Fill us in. <laughs> and then the, the time in between, the, the the silence that was so difficult at the time, mm. to, just to. Barrett, it did give me uh, a gift of, of uh, clarity and time to collect my thoughts, and because it was so chaotic and um, so traumatic in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. you're making movies because that is your life, that is how you how you express yourself. So when you feel feel that that's been taken away from you, it is like a death in a lot of ways. You know, because uh, how am I going to be able to do this again? And you think. Everything is, you know, a lot of it is in your head. You know, everyone's just worried about themselves. But, but it sure. does, it does feel it was, it was a hard period. But it does give you some clarity and time to collect your thoughts. And as hard as it was, there was always a little bit of hope because it hadn't been released, um, mm-hmm. and um, so it hadn't been quite ripped away. And it wasn't the final word. Um, at some point, it would, either it was never going to be released, and which would have been very difficult. Um, but there was, or or that version would be released forever, and that would be hard as well. But that, at least I, I knew that was, you know, the best I could do under those conditions. But a lot of me, a, a little bit of me, was always hopeful that I would get the film back and be able to rework it. And I did. I get, I got that second chance after about can, a year. Can or I so. ask you a question about that? Sure. So um, I obviously I've talked to you many times, and you know we talked for me and Earl and Dying Girl, which premiered at Sundance, mm-hmm. and. At that festival, when that movie premiered, you 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 got quite the opposite uh, reaction that yeah. you did at Toronto because I was actually there for this too. And the reason why I went to see that movie was because of you and being such a big fan of Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Can you talk a little bit about as a filmmaker how it how it feels to be on both ends of the spectrum with that? Having gone to a festival where you wind up getting a huge deal on your mm-hmm. film and everyone loves it, to going to I think, and I, I apologize because I remember that day because like we couldn't believe it either. Like half the audience left during the Q and A. I mean, I don't even yeah, know yeah, how yeah. that must have felt for you as a filmmaker. Uh-huh. So I'm just wondering how both are very similar was. leading up to the festival. Okay, where um, there's no time to you're just working. Yeah, you're constantly working. You're mixing. You're doing the DI. You're getting it ready for the festival, and uh, you're just working. And then there's a the moment, and you don't stop until you sit in the seat and it projects. And so. 
no, I had no idea what to expect from the audience uh, from either festival. And uh, me and Earl was you know, sat in my seat, and it was the first time it, it, it screened with the dedication to my dad at the end. So the response was very surprising to me. I had no idea what was happening. You feel the room was with it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even know what size of the movie theater was going to be in. I had no idea. I'd never been to Sundance before. It was all happening so fast. And and everyone, there was like a roar at the end, and tears started to flow, and now everyone got what the movie was really about, and the bidding war happened. It was the dream, you know? Yeah. And this one was like, the beginning part is very similar, where you're you're, you're working on it uh, day and night. Uh, I'm sleeping. Harvey's opening the, 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 the mixing stage and remixing while I'm sleeping. It was just completely insane. And you finally get to the festival and you just hope that people see the good in this. And you're also hopeful that you know, it was a very d- t- difficult movie to shoot and release within the same year mm. for a movie like wow. this. You need time. And and you now you try to make a festival, you just cut a few months from from that schedule. And uh, but in my head, I knew okay, we have two three months before we release. There's still time to work on it, and we were supposedly screening as a work in progress. And uh, then I realized during the watching the movie, it was uh, kind of the most brutal test screening, I guess, in a lot of ways, <laughs> because you realize. Oh, now I'm getting a little perspective. You've seen it with an audience. That doesn't work. This doesn't work. This music is wrong here. And you're still working on it. And then you review it as a final finished film. And that becomes the defining moment of your film and yeah. the film's identity. And you have to carry that with you. And you hope you can change it and, and hope you, that you have a moment to, to, to correct the mistakes you saw or maybe fight for some of battles that you lost that you know now you can prove were mistakes and um, and then uh, the studio collapses and so wow. you're stuck with this thing and that's that's not yours and it's in the middle but it's been reviews at, reviewed as a final piece wow. yeah I mean it's interesting because I don't even remember them actually pushing it as a work in progress at the time yeah, no. and I think it was just something where you know everyone had high expectations considering, yeah. you know, your, your previous film and then also the cast that you assembled mm-hmm. with the movie. So, um, you know, I was also just curious, um, when you see, again, going from the polar opposite of yeah. the spectrum where you have such positive reactions to such negative reactions, um, do you personally, do you, do you take that to heart? Do you get do you get mad when, like, critics are, like, sitting there like, this is yeah. shit? It hurts. You know, it, it hurts. I, I, I wasn't... You know, even it's amazing how in 2015 or whatever that was, uh, yes, there was social media, but it wasn't that big of a presence. And and we were waiting for a few reviews, and we were all at a bar reading them and crying, and it was great. This one was just brutal immediately. As I walked yeah. off that stage, yeah, people in, in the studio were reading tweets to me. As yeah. literally, and I'm telling walking, you as you're walking on the stage. As yeah. I'm literally yeah. walking from the stage to the back to the car to go over that. The, wow. The, they're reading these bad tweets, and then they were so personal um, against me, against the studio, and um, and 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 you know some of them were, were, were criticizing the visual effects, which weren't even close to being done. Oh my yeah. God! Uh, it was it was a different world, and it was incredibly personal. And and I stopped reading; I couldn't take it anymore because uh, it was such a hard process just getting it. it. It was so hard just getting it getting it ready for TIFF that part of you knew it wasn't ready and part of you wanted the madness to end yeah and and, and um so uh but, but that was then you know that was then and and i had time to rework it and and shoot a few more scenes and rescore it and 
and I'm really proud of it, and I feel really lucky that uh, it's a triumph in a lot of ways. And, and, and you know, you're out there representing the people that went on this journey with you, and um, and it's it feels good to be able to, to to say that you know I fought and I kept fighting, and and this is the best I can give you. And and I, and I really I am really proud of it. Well, what's really interesting is the fact that obviously a big part of this show is the fact that the audience can watch this live and, and interact. Um, and uh, Ryan is saying that uh, uh, Earl is such a beautiful film. Um, uh, Yash is saying, I hate when artists get criticised harshly for their work. Earl is so beautiful as a movie. Um, the thing is, though, that someone... I, I, ha- I literally... Was, I was having a lunch meeting yesterday with financiers who, who, who work in film, and they asked me, when you're a creative and you know that you've made a film that is bad, do you know the film is bad? And yes, you do know that a film is bad, and sometimes people make movies for the money. Mm-hmm. But when you make a movie that the final product or the product that is presented to the audience is not your vision of mm. the movie and you have no control over it, it's it's heartbreaking. It's genuinely heartbreaking. Yeah, because, yeah. And so the question is, do when you are a filmmaker, should filmmakers be given the final cut? I personally believe that if you are a filmmaker and that is your vision, you should be entirely accountable for that vision and you should be given the final cut. That is what you do. Some people say, no, it should be a studio thing and the studio should be given the final cut because it's their movie because you're making it for the studio. So how do you, obviously with your personal circumstance with this film, how do you kind of feel about that? Well, as a director, it's one director, one vision. I mean, (laughs) that's what it is. I mean, you have to have a a close circle of of, of colleagues and friends that you trust. Um, But what happens sometimes is uh, people assume they're a better director all of a sudden, or a better editor, or better this. um, Who often aren't directors or editors. Right, in in, in the corporate system. But but sometimes you're lucky that you have people that... I remember Stephen Rails who financed Me and Earl and Dying Girl. Um, Mm. That was my vision from beginning to end. Came in, he financed the film. gave me two thoughts and then said but you're the director that's why you you know you're doing this and I'm doing what I do so take it if it works good if not and that was it <laughs> that yep. was the notes process and then so you're able to 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 realize this was a different set of circumstances and and uh, but it was never a gig you know it was never just uh, for money it was it, I knew clearly why I wanted to make it and now with a little time I see even more of myself in there uh, wrestling with a lot of the same themes of integrating loss into my life the way Edison is trying to keep his wife alive through technology and, and through motion pictures. And, and yeah. um, there's a lot of similarities there that were always there and only with time because I've had the gift of, of time. Um, sometimes it, they reveal themselves to you after the release and now I've had a little time to really see a little more of me in it and, and, and sometimes other people have pointed it out. But uh, it's when there's a lot of compromise and and negotiation and sacrifice, you can lose your way. You can get confused. Mm. So it's it's good always to have a sounding board that you trust that is always trying to help you steer you back to what the movie intended to make in case you get lost. But uh, uh, the kind of all hands on deck kind of approach to filmmaking, it doesn't, it doesn't, it just, it, it's not really what this is about. You know, you, you have to be able to t- have one storyteller. But something I really liked about the movie um, is the fact that, I mean, irrespective of whether people enjoy the movie or not, is the fact that within the, um, the creative style of the film, it is shot from various POVs. And the style of photography, sometimes fixed cameras, sometimes handheld, sometimes there's motion in the image, sometimes there's not. It's really creative. 
Was that intentional, or yeah. was that something that came out in the edit afterwards? Uh, it's a combination of both. I mean, okay. the, the film was carefully designed in pre-production, but then, uh, but all the references were Penna Baker and Maisel's and rock and roll photography by David Bailey, um, early color experimental color photography, and mm. those imperfections. So uh, some some sequences like the World's Fair had to be storyboarded because what we didn't have. A lot of, of money to just shoot wildly and figure it out with VFX. It had to be all very kind of surgical. Sure. But a lot of it, as even if it was design, we would um, we Chung Un Chung who shot the film. We always had this thing where we're just gonna we're making a film about these disruptors and and making a movie about the future and uh, we should try to break some rules. If it feels right, uh, let's keep pushing and pushing until maybe mm. a little uncomfortable. Maybe we go a little too far and pull back. But it was um, that was the spirit of, of of making this movie of interpreting the past, not trying to reproduce it exactly, but interpret it in color and motion and energy and um, and, and 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 also because it was using the medium that was being uh, invented concurrently with electricity was motion pictures it was it was okay to see the seams in it and, yeah. and, and the diptychs and triptychs and 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 the the, the appreciation embracing this new uh, uh, technique and uh, you know storytelling technique that was being developed at the time and you know, that's why there was my bridge of references and obviously and a few other references that postdated but but yeah can i ask you a question about sure. the you know, you you've you had your experience there, and then you you got to kind of bring you know bring new life into this movie, and got got back to making some new scenes and putting in a new score. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like that's something that most directors never get the chance to do. Yeah. If their mm -hmm. movie like they they screen it and it doesn't go over well, it's usually dead in the water, and that's it, and yeah. they move on. So, can you talk about this new production company that you got to work with and yeah. this new studio that it, this is the first film right yeah, that yeah. they're releasing? One hundred and one. And talk a little bit about like what that process was like from taking one you know this one version of a film to a new new studio and then letting yeah, it, them do their thing. There were a few different phases along the way. Yeah. Um, I um, and it's a process where you're obsessed um, because you can't stop thinking of the film in your head that you intended to make and where it went wrong and uh, the battles you lost and I got away with this and and, and that's not the way you should make a movie. Right. Um, so you do, you start alienating a lot of people because all you do is like you're in the head thinking you're recutting the movie, recutting the movie, recutting the movie, and then fighting for this. And people that really love you are telling you let it go. Yeah, this happens to filmmakers. You just move on to the next, move on to the next, and that's what it is. But because it hadn't been ripped away from me yet. I I just kept reworking it in my head and 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 on my desk I had um, the scenes uh, that I that we needed to shoot uh, storyboards for them and I'd write notes every day or you know whenever it was as often as they were of moments that I think we needed to address or 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 a new structure or that was closer to the original director's cut that we lost our way and why did I lose that exactly you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started to see the movie clearly and clearer and clearer. And then I got a call, and and that was when the the, the movie was about to be sold. It, I think it became Lantern. Then it was about to be sold to someone else. And I was very, it was very easy to me to express what I needed to make. To, I needed a little time with the movie, and this is what I wanted to make it really work. And then and then one on one studios. And I remember I, I took David Glasser out to lunch, and I lied. I said I said I'm in the neighborhood. I don't know if you want to get a bite. And I wasn't hungry, and I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm, I'm outside your house right but, now. <laughs> but I had I had, uh, one of my producers, Timor, uh, had given me a key to his office, and I had my avid there with my with my film. And so my editor, uh, I, I, I said, why don't we try this, 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 and that? 
and we worked all night on this cut and I was like that's it we have to lose this we have to lose it. and it all just kind of came together and and after lunch as we as as he was paying the bill even though I was supposed to take him out to lunch I said by the time you get home by the time you get back to the office there'll be a new version of the movie posted on your in, in your inbox <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I didn't know what to expect, and he just said, all right, well, if it's better. And then it was so significantly different and better, I think, and, and so did he, that uh, hence the new title, Director's Cut, to, mm-hmm. to get some distance from the previous version and, and, and try to rebrand it and give it a shot. Wow. I got an interesting question on went out from a review. Well, you I, say that, I, Jimmy. Really, other night. I love this film, <laughs> and uh, someone actually asked, well, a Director's Cut is usually much longer, and, this is, and I was like, yeah. the... It's more than that. I mean, what, how, that must be amazing to get the chance to show this to the world again after, like you said, it's... It's it's amazing the power of one screening. Yeah. 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 Just like, oh, yeah. This is it. One rough cut screening or one work in progress screening three months before your release wow. and, and that is who you are. And especially mm. at a festival, right? Because yeah. like it kills the buzz because mm-hmm. word of mouth travels so fast at a festival from someone who goes all the time. Yeah. Like you're standing in line and all you keep hearing is this movie gets brought up. Oh, did you see this movie? It was so boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you just hear it over and over again. And I mean, that was what happened with Goldfinch this year. You know, that that, that came out at, at Toronto and, also, and everyone... And also to counter that, there are so many people who go to festivals who oh, yes, literally yes. Like the the shit spectrum. their pants with excitement over movies that when you get to see them are actually not that good. Yeah, I think that happens more than, more than not more than festival. Yeah, absolutely, you know, or, or at an event or a, or or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I answered your question. No, no. yeah, you sorry. Did. Oh, yeah. It? So basically, uh, you're talking about you know getting this opportunity yeah, yeah. that doesn't happen. What? What was your reaction, and and how did you? What was the first thing you did to start I, off? I mean, I, I I know it doesn't really happen, but I was I was just thinking about the movie. I was so single-mindedly yeah. just like obsessed with 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 making it even two seconds, or lose this one thing that wasn't <laughs> me at all. That was some kind of a, a compromise, and um. But the the, the first thing was uh, sitting in 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 the cutting room, and all of a sudden seeing your footage again. I hadn't seen the movie in one year. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, that was interesting because uh, <laughs> it, it, you just see uh, it's it's not really you, and then sure. and then you take all the music out, which is very powerful. Music just oh, takes yeah. you back to a breakup. Make it's like a time machine. Yep. Let's strip the music out and let's just watch it, and then and it's really started going just taking a few weeks to to kind of steer it back to to the closer to the original the original director's cut, and then and then putting in the slugs for the missing beats. And um, Danny Benson, Sonny Jurians, uh, wrote the new score, which is beautiful. And it was always meant to be another character. I remember when I first had my meeting with Harvey, it was I was I was saying this is like a concert film. This is Nine Inch Nails. This is you know just to to push and make sure he was very clear that I wasn't trying to make uh, King Speech, which is a beautiful <laughs> film, but it was not supposed to be static. It was supposed to be constant sure. energy. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was about my first. I remember reacting to music, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful score, but it took me back to a really hard time. And then, and going back to the original structure, the original ideas that made me fall in love with the movie to begin with, and made mm. me want to make the movie. And then, and then figuring out how to get the cast together for one day, and everyone's working. And yeah. Benedict has a mustache. And what are we going to do? <laughs> and all of a sudden, we just found this one Saturday after Benedict would shave the mustache because he finished <laughs> one role. And everybody got together for a day and uh, immediately uh, 
you know started cutting that those scenes in together, which came together very quickly because you, you only shot what you needed and, sure. and you knew where it was meant to go, and uh, and then played around a little bit more, killed some babies, and then then it just started to flow in a way that just felt great. And then the last the last after we lo- locked in di and mixed only like eight weeks ago, I think I was in, I was in, I knew I was in the shower, and then I was like ah. The kinetoscope. That has to be Mary. It can't. It can't be the the, the sister. You know. And then again, we just swapped yeah. this one last image, and that was that. And then, and then it kind of helped this emotional journey. Well, there were there are certain scenes in this, and you mentioned the kaleidoscope, and it's it's there's a it's a really powerful image mm-hmm. uh, in, in the movie where you kind of see this. It's almost like where some movies use a montage, mm-hmm. and this uses this as a very powerful way to convey a message. Mm-hmm. When you are confronted with something like that, uh, how easy is it to implicate that kind of thing? Where you're like, ah, I know exactly what this needs. It's the cherry on top. Uh, how is how how how? What was the question? How easy is uh, it to when, implement? When it comes to implicating sort of last minute changes oh, yeah. and stuff um, like that. Well, every, <laughs> I mean, I, I drove a lot of people crazy, but right. uh, okay. but, but it's 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 just you just the. You just want it to be as perfect as it can be, knowing sure. that it'll never get there, you know? But, uh, yeah, we remixed a, a few times. Uh, uh, sometimes you, you there, there's literally that person that looks you in the eye and says, Fonz, you cannot do this. You know, we can't mix it because you want this one insert to be one decibel higher. Sure. But the obsession is just what keeps pushing you. And and, and sometimes it's just the you can't lock, you can't move picture anymore. Mm. But it's swapping one image or extending it by a few frames or speeding it up to get a little more. There's always ways to, to tweak it. But uh, and then there is the the acceptance of letting it go. And that happened at the when I screened it at the AFI. And I knew that that was it. As soon as okay. you screened it and let it go, there's a feeling where, okay, I gave my best. You know. uh, people in the chat are responding to this. Um, they're, they're loving the the, the, the the candidness of your, of your well, interview, I have nothing to lose. I already lost it all once. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we'll, get, we'll get to that in just a second before we talk about the, the rest of the week's big news. Uh, Goldman Vision, like the show, uh, you fucking cowards. Uh, that's to people who are watching the show that's and are liking it. Uh, that's absolutely fine. Uh, all film criticism can be refuted in a boxing ring. Uwe Boll has proven this. Uh, Yash saying stick to your guns respect Uh, Scott saying it's the difference between making a film and making a commercial which I think is actually a really important (laughs) point Uh, hindsight is 2020 I love Earl uh, me and the dying girl from uh, Kame Egan Uh, great to have you in the chat uh, Kame very uh, responsive uh, member of the community Uh, Yash um, it looked quite stunning Uh, and uh, the acting and direction looked top notch uh, production design as well Uh, and also Yash saying Reznor is awesome you mentioned obviously Trent Reznor yes um, as, as someone who is I mean when I had hair and growing up with knowledge nails. You had hair? There was a time. It's oh sadly God. now mostly no on my idea. back and my ass. Um, we don't need to see that. Growing up, growing up. Yeah, is that my I, cue to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to show it to you. But when he starts getting like this, it might when, be time to go. When, when, when Trent Reznor was obviously, you know, best known for Nine Inch Nails, was moving into the scoring industry, people were like, I'm not entirely sure. But Trent has created some amazing works mm-hmm. over the last yeah. 10 Trent or 15 years. Trent saw the first years. cut of this. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was Trent's reaction? It was it was, it was was a dream. Uh, I remember when he, him and Atticus, um, 
we'd been talking, we tried to make uh, a film before this that, okay. that, that, that didn't work out, and I had met with them, and, and so we're still trying to work together, and and, and then we couldn't make the, the schedule work because um, they were gonna, about to go on tour. Right. And which then I saw them in Randall's Island, Randall's Island, uh, and, and we couldn't make it work, but um, to have that moment of us of them digging the movie, and there was a very rough cut that's very close to this, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and they got it, and and we tried to make it work, and it was the studio, you know, back then, we're trying to negotiate and to make it, and realize that um, that their schedule didn't sync up with ours because we we're going so fast. Sure. Um, but that that dream is still alive, so I got close. Zeno, <laughs> uh, I was saying, uh, Simon, a question for Alfonso: uh, Will you return to the horror genre or something a different, like sci-fi or fantasy? I, look, I, I didn't think I was going to make a movie about the, you know 1893. War I, don't any, I don't think anybody expects that they're going to make a movie yeah, about no, it's like a, a period drama about electricity. No, but it's always fun to to, to get lost in worlds and 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 and. Uh, so I, I I love all genres. It's just mm. a matter of the, the characters and the themes and what how can I contribute? Uh, what, what what will I leave behind? Why do I want to make this movie? What do I need to make this movie? Mm. Um, uh, so and then the genre kind of follows. Um, mm. I didn't. It wasn't about my obsession with Thomas Edison that drove me to make this movie. Sure. So, um, but uh, but uh, no, I would. I, I love horror. It's just finding the right thing um, that um, that makes it uh, feel right. And what can I you know, how can I contribute? What can I, sure. well, how can I learn about myself and leave something behind that means something? Yeah. You see, it, it's funny, when, I mean, obviously, you know, all of us around the table, we, we, you know, we talk to directors and producers and writers all the time. And when you talk to them and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's really about, you know, this and I'm not really tied to one genre. It, it can sound sometimes quite contrived where you're like, oh, well, you know, you did it for whatever, the paycheck or et cetera. But it genuinely is a case of whatever speaks to you, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you you want to make. It's it's a genuine I'd love to feeling. make a musical. You know, I, I'd love to, you know, I, I love, and I've, because of television, I was able to work in with musicals yeah. and work in horror. Mm. And because American it, Horror Story, yeah, and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. Four, four seasons of that, and, and Glee, of course, of course, which yeah. was a, a real uh, massively different, massively different. But uh, uh, my very first Glee, I remember, I storyboarded every single frame, and 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 I came from the Scorsese school, you know, and I I, I love I love the musical sequences, and I would I would. I would uh, storyboard it with like time codes. So mm. this part of this song is this movie here. Mm. So I would shoot it on set and everyone would look at me with because I'd cut like 10, 15 seconds into it because that's all I need, you know, and then it'd come together like a puzzle. And I was also shooting like John Ford so so it wasn't taken away from me. Um, and, and to control, the, you know, in, in, in television, your vision as much as you can because I knew it was a different kind of animal and the way that machine works. And, mm. and at least back then, Ne- that was network shows. I had to be whatever it was, forty-three minutes. And, you know, sure. But uh, but no, I I, I truly love you know, films, and I, and, and I want to get lost and, and explore certain things. But it can't just be a technical exercise. You know, I sure. have to. Uh, you got to literally feel it it's, and, and yeah. communicate something with the actors, and you know, get on a frequency to find the truth in a scene. And you can't just uh, do it from Video Village and shout. You know, you want to look them in the eyes and be kind of be in it with them. Yeah, you you work with Ryan Murphy, yeah. obviously twice now. Um, what what have you learned from him that you apply to your films now or your own? Uh, I, you know, with him, he's. I mean, he has a brilliant mind, and he's uncompromising, and loved that I was a bit of a disruptor. And I remember, I mean, the one thing, he, when I showed him my boards, I didn't know how TV worked. It was my first experience in television. I was like a film guy. 
and he he got my my storyboards and just flipped them like a flip book like he's just like D- just do whatever you want if anyone says that uh you can't just tell him i said i wanted it <laughs> <laughs> so he's like he's been like my roger corman in a lot of ways because he did wow. just like protect me and throw me out there and 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 want me to be the disruptor on these on these episodes just do do what you want and and um try to make your days and but uh but his uh that that uh, confidence in other filmmakers um and and uh is something that he created a world where a lot of wonderful directors uh, brad beaker michael Opendahl, a mm. lot of filmmakers from that world you feel empowered to to that your vision is being appreciated not just going through the numbers and just like shooting coverage because what's the point of that I think he appreciates that, and uh, and it's something that's rare sometimes, at least in, in, in television at times. Um, so that fearlessness and that confidence that he had, um, and he keeps coming up with brilliant ideas, and somehow they all work. Oh, it's it's amazing. I I mean, I, I watch I watch Glee until the very end, and I know like as Glee went on, I know people really dropped off in the last couple of seasons. Mm. But I I think you know I can't help but think about Ryan Murphy and, and you know you got to work on that show but it's amazing because that show on paper should not have worked yeah, and yeah. it should not have yeah. become the cultural phenomenon that it became yeah. Yeah. but that's something that's so great about Ryan right every like he's a step ahead he's a step ahead and he always takes risks and I feel like that's a, that's something that we need in Hollywood and filmmaking yeah. and storytelling. I mean, American Horror Story. I remember I was shooting Glenn. He's like, "There's this thing. There's this pilot. You know, you can help me with it, and uh, you know, shoot some sequences like a second unit, like the opening with the kids, with the two twins. And then if it goes, you can do it the next. It was still a pilot, like a yeah. traditional pilot. Wow. And if it goes, and if it goes, you can do the second episode. Wow. And in Glee, I was directing second unit for him on Eat, Pray, Love in India. And the first nine or thirteen episodes of Glee had aired, and I wasn't watching. I didn't know anything about it. And then the the back nine had been ordered, and and after he saw my footage and what I was working on, he he gave me an episode seventeen. Oh. So by the time I was shooting episode seventeen, the the show had it was becoming a phenomenon. You can kind of track that, and, and I, I only did up until the beginning of number four. Yeah. But also, he's Ryan is. It, I love Ryan, but he's really fucking honest. Yes. So that's good. Yeah, which is good. And it's also really rare in the industry because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, okay, well, this is good, or maybe we could do this. But Ryan is like, that's shit. That's great. Let's do this. This is my vision. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Do you find that refreshing? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Because uh, what's the alternative to that? Especially when you're trying to create something and make something. He's worked mm. with scissor hands now, so he knows. Yeah, uh, Har- that's true. Har- Har- Harvey scissor hands. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Harvey scissor That's what. No, that was he was known in the industry as. Wow. Yeah, because he would always go back and he would recut up films if like people didn't respond well to them. That's what they, his, they called him. His greatest successes were movies that he bought and distributed because he had a, a knack for that. Uh, yeah. A brilliant mm-hmm. way of selling and making you one to see the crying game and, and you know and keeping that secret. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, but actually, developing movies from beginning to end, from the ground up, uh, was less successful. He was less successful. At that. Yeah. By the way, the current war uh, director's cut is is out in theaters uh, this uh, now today. Today, uh, Friday. Yes. Uh, can't believe it's the end of the week. Uh, let's briefly touch on some other news uh, this week. Let's talk about uh, Terminator: Dark Fate reactions. Uh, a number of us saw this movie this mm-hmm. week. Um, the general gist is the fact that it's. The best Terminator movie <laughs> since Terminator Two. Yes, that's 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 what the quote. Has yeah, that, that's generally the, and and it is. But that's also like it's, I think I'm going to be the one that loves this one. 
I love this movie. I, this look, is not. It's not a bad movie. Oh, it's, it's certainly it's a, not. It's a terrific movie. It's an okay movie. No, it's, no, I, no, I, I, here, no. Here's the thing. I don't the, often no. say that opinions are wrong, <laughs> but I'm sorry. No, it, it, you're wrong. It is. Look, he liked the lighthouse too. Uh, by the way, oh, I like the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Look. I when I saw Terminator and I grew up on Terminator and Terminator Two, and yeah, I loved. Too. This was Sarah Connor's story, period. I I, I liked Arnold; he was awesome in it. Mm. But that was her story. Bringing her back made this feel like a Terminator movie. I did not like any of the other sequels. I wasn't a fan of Three. I wasn't a fan of Salvation. I didn't see Genesis because I just, yeah, I heard. Uh, look, I, I, and maybe it's partially look. Maybe it's partially nostalgia that made me. Oh my God, she's back. Maybe it is, but I don't care. I hadn't. It, it's that reaction you have, and you're like excited about mm. it. I loved her in it. I I really liked the movie a lot. I think it's probably one of the most best times I've had at an action movie this year. Period. So to go off that, okay. um, <laughs> now the negative. No, 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 no. I, I, I listen. I, I'm one of the people who agree with the statement that it is it's the best one since the second. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's good for what mm-hmm. it is. You know, when you look at the action in the film, it, it's spectacular. It's very clearly shot, and yeah. there's a, a de aging moment in the beginning of the movie, very brief, that really that works. Is incredible. Yeah. Um, when you better than Gemini, man. Don't, let's, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Paramount does not want us to talk about that either, no. so we just let it go. Um, <laughs> speaking of a Paramount movie. Um, you know, but when you come to the, the performances in this movie, uh, I think you showcase here where you see Arnold and you see Linda Hamilton on screen. Mm. You see, like, how they were actors of that Generation and how, like, if you were looking at looking at it from a 2009 perspective, yeah. how the acting is not that good. I, I'm just gonna say it. And then you have like Mackenzie Davis who comes in, and her acting is like really good. Mm. So it's like it's it's interesting because you got like the old and the new of generations working together. And I think I don't know. There's something about that that really spoke to me. So I'm actually more on, on this with you this oh, okay. time around. Wow. Um, and I just the problem for me with the movie was how convoluted the script was. Like they just like sum everything up in like this like one scene, and I'm kind of like, really? It's not that easy. Come on. Do you it's know what? For me, the the, the the biggest issue there there are a couple of issues with me for this movie. Um, one of which is the script. Yeah. Mm. Which massively underserves everybody. And I think if you have a movie that looks great, but the script is average, and it is average, it's not terrible, it's average. You, I think it's a you, little better than average, I don't, but not. I don't, I, I, it's, look, it's not. We're not talking Godfather 2 here. We're not. We are not. But it, here's the thing look at the original script to the original film, it's a B movie. That's exactly what this is. And that's another reason I, I just... It felt like the first two. Exactly. And that was a B-movie. This is not a B-movie. You <laughs> know, in some so, ways it is. In some ways it is. And I like that. I like that it feels kind of like a B-movie, like an old-fashioned chase film. And that's... that's there's but, nothing but wrong you know with what? that. I don't think that's what Paramount were aiming for. I, I think, Par- I can, I think I can, it's a I little can better. I guarantee than... <laughs> there were not meetings in Paramount going... 
let's make a B movie. Yeah. Well, there's a different. Okay, look, you have a movie that is it, it has to feel in tune with the first two films. Yeah. Period. Right. And, and this it does. Is, it out does. Of all of them. This is the one that is most like that. For sure. For sure. But. <laughs> The the effect of the but beginning, the dialogue. On but the, the, other di- hand. the dialogue. Hey, some of it was funny. I liked the the, <laughs> the only person for me that benefits from the dialogue in this movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, yes, hundred percent. I think it massively underserves Linda Hamilton. I think it massively underserves pretty much everybody else in the movie. And uh, this, for me, as much as it is actually a, it's a it's a female led movie. Mm. The person who came out on top in this is Arnold. Yeah. For the first time in <laughs> countless Terminator movies. I didn't movies. feel that. I was all about Linda Hamilton, man. Yeah. I, I was I, all about Linda Hamilton. I, I loved every minute she was on screen. The, and I am very... Uh, and I loved her being on screen. And the, I'm very happy for you. The problem with this movie is, is that... I'm just going to say it. There is this Latino focus in the movie. Easy, and it's, careful, and, yeah. careful. And, but, it's, but it's no, it's no, but it's, I mean, it's, 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 the, it's, the weakest, it's the weakest element of the film. I and I yeah. feel that. I, I feel well. The ca- the yeah. actress too. I mean, she tried her oh, best. I liked her. She tried her best given the material. But could you imagine, like, is if like Isabella Monaire or someone like that was yeah. in that in that role, how much more she could have brought it, to it? it, it no it, discredit to her, but like just someone with a little bit more like skill set. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't know. It, and I, it, it felt more lip service than service. Yes, and I just Very felt because me. it was so, you know, there was this big push, and I, I'm just going to go off a little bit, but like Paramount did this really big push to the Latino community, and because you know, I'm, you know. I know a lot of members of the Latino community through mm-hmm. LAOFCS. Yeah. You know, it's very important that the film represents them, and I think there's a that we've we've talked a lot about representation in film, and I feel like. They don't build enough of that in this movie, sure. And I think that's problematic. I, th- I think that's a fair, fair criticism. I mean, this is the best Terminator movie since T two. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. But also, I mean, T three. I mean, I, I, I have revisited the last three Terminator movies on numerous occasions. They're, they're not good. No, they're not. And they're really not yeah, the, good. The, I, I, they underserve everybody in it, and they underserve the franchise. I give you credit for revisiting the older ones. I don't like them. I just because again, Do you know it, what? T three is actually quite fun because right no, at the beginning, <laughs> when when uh, Christina uh, Loken is is trying to connect to the internet, she does the dial up tone to uh-huh. her flip phone. I fucking love that. It's got that. I'm not going to lie. The third I one do, has I do some love that. charm. It, it takes a couple of chances, but yeah. it's still just, it didn't work for me. It didn't no. work because it wasn't, it was Sarah's story. It yeah. always has been. And that, I mean, I could see that. So, to you as a filmmaker, how influential <laughs> were the Terminator movies to you? And how do you, how do you feel when a franchise that you perhaps relate to or you have an affinity with doesn't have to be this one continues? <laughs> Oh, um, you know, I, I uh, Terminator movies that didn't really. I mean, I remember the first one, and I remember the second one, but it, I remember the effects, you know. Um, mm, but, right. but I don't, I don't remember the movie that well. They weren't. Uh, I was, uh, I was discovering. You know, they have to also realize where I was raised, which was. Uh, you know, a, a small now back then a small town on the Mexican border. So you mm. had one movie theater, but you really uh, uh, discovered movies through 
the VHS revolution and yeah. VHS. So I was I was really kind of when that was happening, I was probably discovering Woody Allen and, and Polanski and whatever. Which is really and interesting Scorsese, because yeah. when when you say you're sort of brought up in a town on the Mexican border, mm -hmm. and over big Hollywood movies, you were discovering. Woody Allen. Yeah, that was I was different that way. And we had the one fourplex, and then the other one where, like, Last Picture Show, where one of those movies went to oh. die. You know, right? And uh, and so so I just found I, I would I would go to the movies and see with my friends and we'd hang out. And I remember exactly where I saw the Terminator. But it, it was these other secrets out there that I never came to my got to my hometown, or maybe did when I was too young to see them mm -hmm. that that um, that really inspired me and became um, you know how I got lost in the movie so so I, that's where my head was how do you feel about all the you know the current talk over the last couple of years about representation do you feel like Hollywood's making a change I think so I mean I know that uh, I'm, I'm you know I'm Mexican and, and, and I when I look at the piece of material like even the current war is like mm. okay I'm not going to make this a, a Mexican story, you know, and and so, but you do start uh, going deeper and doing research. Okay, how much can I make this not diverse but real? You know? Sure. And you and you learn that okay, uh, there was an African American patent lawyer that worked for Edison, Louis Latimer. So that's a, a, that's one person I could put in there. The press corps that was following the story around, there was maybe a five percent chance, or there were five percent uh, African American. Um, Okay, so then one we can put one person without making it, without forcing it. It's just sure. not about being diverse. It's just being how real can we make mm -hmm. this? Yeah. So I'm always thinking of that. So it's more like research, like people actually having to do their jobs because I feel like that's something where there's been so much criticism over. I feel like whenever a movie comes out nowadays, like there's always criticism about that. Yeah. You know, but I think it's important, like you said, to kind of like know the time period and know the type of movie that you're making and if it's based on a period of history doing a deep dive. Yeah, I knew what the movie was about and who the leads were, and it can't all of a sudden be forced to look like a Benetton ad. It's like, right. what feels right? <laughs> I know who I am. I know what I'm sensitive to and what I want to contribute in, 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 in having the, the you know this essay and when I'm making my movies, but you also can't force certain situations to, to make it politically correct. It's just what feels real, and the real the reality is that it was a lot more diverse than, than it's sometimes represented as being. Uh, we've got about five minutes left on the show. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, we've talked about Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, we've obviously... Uh, talked about uh, the current war director's cut uh, a film that's out this week uh, The Kill Team which is an A24 movie which I don't think anybody is talking about and it's, no. I'll be honest with you it's it's a great movie. It's Nat Wolf. It's Alexander Skarsgård. It's it's seriously it's a military drama um, inspired by a documentary that came out in 2013, 2014. Seriously good. If that movie is coming out this weekend, you should check it out. It's out in uh, New York and Los Angeles. I know we have uh, a lot of people who watch the show uh, in both of those markets. Uh, Black and Blue is a movie that you've seen, Scott. Yeah, um, and I, I just want to <clears throat> quickly talk about this film. So um, for those who who aren't aware, this movie is directed by Dion Taylor and mm -hmm. Dion. Taylor, what's so fascinating about him, uh, he is a filmmaker who basically never went to film school. He's, he's taught himself everything that he knows. Mm -hmm. And he started off in independent films and kind of producing his and directing his own films. And he has quickly, over the span of about 10 years, climbed up, this, climbed up the ladder and is now making films with Sony. And mm -hmm. even though I wouldn't say that he has crossed the bar into like great filmmaker territory, mm. you can see the evolution and you can see that he's in the process of becoming one. 
And this movie is by far the best thing that he has touched so far. Really? Uh, he's really he's really good uh, at doing certain shots and capturing action and chase sequences and, 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 and being really engaging and entertaining with a film. Yeah. Uh, Naomi Harris is in this movie, probably one of the best performances that I've seen from her since oh. Moonlight. Uh, she's really strong. I'm glad she's in the lead role. Um, the downfall of this movie is is not the acting or the directing, but rather the screenplay. Uh, screenplay has this idea of like body cams and using that as a plot device. Great, again, very relevant to today's society. The problem is it goes the conventional cop drama kind of way, and in the third act, falls apart because right. it just goes. It doesn't push. It doesn't push far enough it doesn't be the conversation starter that it pretends that it wants to be in the beginning right and i just i don't know if it was just because it's risky because it's a studio film versus an independent film but that's that's where i think the movie drops off a little bit but naomi harris and Dion taylor you know try their best and, and tyrese gibson uh for someone who i've you know only known uh as an r&b singer and also in the fast and furious movies sure easily the best thing he's done really well, easily the best thing he's done yeah yeah. That's a that's a, a big endorsement. Um, but the current war, obviously, director's cut is in theaters this weekend. <clears throat> I mean, for people that, if they're looking to go and see something at, at the theaters this weekend, there's a lot of movies that are having strong hold holdovers. Um, to sell the movie, <laughs> what would you like people to to see? Sort of going into it, how would you like people to look at it, other than a a movie that is about the guys that were responsible for electricity. Well, I, I hope that the, it, it gives people, it's like a time machine and you go back in time and, and feel how, how relevant and how uh, similar the time was to these were the three original disruptors and, and now we have Bezos and Musk and Branson racing to, to, the, to space. Sure. And, and who are we going to remember in 100 years and why? And, 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 um, and maybe they find a little of, the, of Edison in them, a little Westinghouse in them. And and a movie that feels contemporary and full of energy and and invention and and, and ideas and and hopefully it's inspiring in some way and hopefully it makes people think of um, the um, uh, unintended consequences of new technology and it's it's, it's a, this is like Social Network 1893 and um, it really is and, it is. and, and uh, you know from the light bulb came the electric chair and, and 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 maybe you know 15 years ago there was no Facebook and now it's weighed in election and. Uh, are, are we going to be able to adapt? Are things moving so fast that we may not be able to adapt? I mean, I think there's a lot of really fun questions that are posed that people can discuss, and in addition to being lost in a time that, that you might find a personal connection to. And I want to just tell you just one thing. Um, I know you've, you've been in this bubble for this movie for a long time now. Um, I, you, you should, this weekend, just forget about it. Yeah. And remember, <laughs> no, and seriously, because even though we talk about it and we know what happens, majority of the world doesn't. No. Yeah. So, so, so remember that when you go out and you're 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 putting your vision, your vision out there this weekend, okay? Because we live in a bubble in film world, we in do film Twitter, whatever. We know what's going on. The rest of the world doesn't. So embrace that and just celebrate and celebrate your achievement with this film. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. 
That's a very good point. Uh, Jimmy, uh, who are you? Where can we find you? JimmyOJoblo.com, ArrowInTheHead.com, all the social media things. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, Scott, who are you? Where can we find you? Sure, you can find me here, and you can go over to WeLiveEntertainment.com and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Uh, my name is Simon Thompson. You can find me at ShowbizSimon on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much. Uh, also, you can find the show at, at Meet Movie Press. Really appreciate you being part of the community, being part of the chat. Uh, didn't get to as much as that as I wanted to. Uh, but also, uh, huge gratitude to Alfonso for coming on the show today. Thank, Thank you, you so me. much indeed. Thank uh, you. Really appreciate you Thanks. being here. Um, Thank you. It was, hopefully it was a... you've enjoyed it. I know. I really appreciated the conversation. Thanks so awesome. much. Awesome. No problem at all. Uh, seriously, the current war director's cut is out in theatres this week. Go see it. Seriously, Excellent. Do, do go and see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not fucking with you, and it's not just because Alfonso's here. <laughs> no, that's great. It, it, it genuinely it's... is, is, is a, an engaging movie that you will be surprised by the pace uh, yes. of a film about electricity. It's electric. Uh, it, no, genuinely, I was like, yes. what the fuck am I interested in a movie about the race for electricity? It's a genuinely engaging movie. Uh, I, I'm not lying about that. Uh, it, it's great. Thank you so much for being part of the community. Thank you so much for being part of the show, Alfonso. Thank you so much. You are welcome back anytime. Oh, Seriously, oh, we yeah, really except. appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, have a great weekend. And also, uh, lots of great movies in the theatres. Judy, don't just go and see Joker. Uh, go and see The Current War. Go and see Judy. Uh, so many great movies out there. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.